No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Solomon expresses the futility of pleasure, materialism, wisdom, and human labor. There is nothing better than to enjoy what good God gives to you. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 on Simply the Bible. One of my earliest memories is from 1969. It was the Apollo 11 lunar mission. From liftoff to Neil Armstrong's first step on the moon's surface, we were all glued to our television sets. This was exploration in the first degree. There is something deep within the human spirit that must explore to go where no man has gone before, to quote Captain James T. Kirk. Ecclesiastes is about a different kind of exploration. King Solomon explored what was meaningful in life. He spared no expense in exhausting every desirable pursuit of man. We continue in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also is vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. In Solomon's quest for meaning, he began with pleasure. He had the wealth the food and the wine to throw the biggest party imaginable. He could hire the best comedians. His guests would have enjoyed themselves in excess. In Solomon's search for meaning, his wisdom still guided his mind. This was a carefully monitored experiment. Was pleasure worthwhile? Did it bring meaning to life? From an early age, Solomon had known wisdom, but what about folly? Was there a reason why foolish people loved folly? But even this pursuit of pleasure and folly was vanity. It was empty and meaningless. I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. Solomon turned his heart to constructing great works. We know that he built the temple, his palace, the house of the forest of Lebanon, a special palace for Pharaoh's daughter, and various cities. He also planted vineyards, gardens, and orchards with fruit trees. He made great water pools to water the growing trees of his groves. 
As king of Israel, he acquired many male and female servants and had more servants born in his house. His palace would have made Downton Abbey look like a summer cottage. He had herds, flocks, horses, apes, and monkeys. Solomon had more wealth than all who were in Jerusalem before him. He gathered precious metals. In fact, each year he received about 25 tons of gold. Yes, you heard me right. 25 tons of gold. He made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. He had the best musicians and musical instruments, both for the house of God as well as for his own personal enjoyment. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled and indeed All was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Not only was Solomon rich, but he was also famous. His name became great in all the earth. God gave him peace on every side from his enemies, and people came from all over the world to hear Solomon's wisdom. But in declaring that he was great and excelling more than all who were before him in Jerusalem, Was there not a note of pride in this? He withheld nothing from his eyes, and whatever his eyes looked upon, he owned. As he looked over everything he had built and all that he had accomplished, his heart rejoiced. This was his reward for all his hard work. But as Solomon thought about all his achievements, they were just vanity. There was no lasting profit to be found in them. Now, as we pointed out yesterday, Solomon gives us the perspective of life in this world without God. It is ultimately meaningless and profitless. Then I turned myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceive that the same event happens to them all. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. For there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come. And how does a wise man die? As the fool. Therefore I hated life, because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Not only did Solomon pursue wisdom and folly, but also madness. Was there any meaning to be found in being beside yourself? Not surprising, this was meaningless as well. He did, however, find that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man sees where he is going, but the fool walks in darkness. But death overtakes both the wise and the foolish. There's no escaping. No one is wise enough to avoid it. And after the wise pass away, no one remembers them 
anymore. They simply go on with their lives, forgetting those who have come before and paying no attention to the wisdom they accrued. So Solomon was saying, so what good is it for me to pursue wisdom as I have pursued it? Therefore, he hated life. For what was the point of all his labor? What was the point of all of his seeking of wisdom? It was all meaningless, a grasping of the wind. It was vanity. Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore, I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun for all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome? Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. You would think that if a person lives only for this life and is able to get whatever he wants while he is alive, well, that should be enough, right? He should be satisfied enjoying the good life and be unconcerned with what happens to his wealth after he dies. What will he care? But that's not the case. The person who strives to gain wealth worries about what will happen to it after he goes. Who will get it? And will his heir be a fool? What if he squanders it all foolishly? Then all of his hard work in acquiring it will all be in vain. And how often this is the case that the heirs of a tycoon have no appreciation for their father's principles. So the rich man passes on his wealth to his children, but not his wisdom. In reality, the greatest inheritance we can give to our children and grandchildren is our wisdom and faith in the Lord. Because Solomon could not control what would ultimately happen to his wealth, he despaired of all his labor, for all his days are sorrowful, and his work is burdensome. He had sleepless nights and got ulcers, obtaining all that he had, and now it would all go to someone who wouldn't appreciate it. This is all vanity, and how many Wealthy worldlings live and die just like this. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Now, this is one of the epiphanies that Solomon has throughout this book. It's a ray of hope on a gloomy day. As he describes life under the sun, that is, life lived apart from a personal life-giving relationship with God, he sees evidence of God. 
For who gives him the ability to labor and earn wealth but God? Who has given him his talents? Where does his food and drink ultimately come from? Who gave him the gift of life and put him here on this earth? Everything is from the hand of God. And only the ultimate fool says in his heart, there is no God. Solomon realizes that God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who are good in his sight, to those whose ways please him. These gifts are what enable us to enjoy life. God is not a cosmic killjoy, but he gives us every good and perfect gift. Plus, he gives us the ability to truly enjoy what he has given us. Now, pleasure for the sake of pleasure will leave a person empty. You must pursue greater and more intense pleasures to get the same thrill as you got at first. It is a downward spiral of diminishing return that leads to selfishness, addiction, and slavery. For Jesus said that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. But to the one who believes in Christ, God gives the capacity to enjoy the blessings of life and be content with them. Godliness with contentment is great gain said the Apostle Paul. However, to the sinner, God gives the assignment of gathering and collecting only to give it all to the person who pleases God. Thus, the life of the sinner is a meaningless grasping of the wind. He sweats to make his living and he loses it all to someone else. Now, why would the Holy Spirit include such a depressing book in the canon of Scripture? so that we would despair of a life lived to and for ourselves outside a personal and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Such a godless life in this world is ultimately vanity of vanities. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see that there is a time and season for every purpose under heaven. God puts eternity in the hearts of men and his works last forever. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ecclesiastes on Simply the Bible.